Today on the All Kinds of Weather Forecast, we talk hoops, we talk basketball, where the Gators are at this point in the season with only a month until March Madness begins. This is the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. And welcome in to another episode of the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. I am your host, Chris Gaines, alongside my co-host, Neil Shulman. And today we're going to be talking Gator hoops. And the Gators right now, at the time of this recording, find themselves at 15-7 and seven overall with a 5-4 and four SEC record in the second year of the Todd Golden era. And the Gators right now, year two, one game shy of equaling year one's win total for Todd Golden. They certainly have now beaten a top 10 team on the road for the first time in 21 years, dating all the way back before Billy Donovan even won a national championship at Florida. So it had been a long time. And with the Gators beating Kentucky the other night in Rupp Arena, they did successfully get that feat. But there have been some downturns, too, as well, with some road blowout losses to teams like Ole Miss, surrendering a 13-point lead yesterday to the Texas A&M Aggies, and losing some games on the road to Wake Forest after they also led in that one. Well, So we'll go ahead. We're going to go ahead and kind of we recognize that we have not really talked a lot about Gator Hoops, so we're going to get into where we have gotten kind of a recap of how we got to 15 and seven, and then really focus in on the last three games, which were the overtime victories over Georgia at home, over Kentucky on the road, and then yesterday's one point loss to Texas A&M. So the Gators, they they went through non-conference play 10 and three, no quad one wins though. They lost to Virginia by three points. They lost to Baylor by four. And, you know, I'm not saying we're getting into moral victories here, but those were games where the Florida showed that they could definitely hang with the best in the country. Certainly two teams that are going to be playing in March in the NCAA tournament and in games that would have been great to have had now, now that we know that we're one in seven in quad one wins or games. But nonetheless, you lose two games by a combined score of seven points. That's not terrible. The Gators, though, did fall to Wake Forest on the road after leading in that one in the first half. And, you know, that's going to be kind of be a common theme with some of the seven losses that we've had. The Gators at one point led in almost every single one of those losses and sometimes by double digits and then ended up losing. So right now that sort of is the fault of these Todd Golden teams as they have big leads and they do surrender them. Something that has kind of unfortunately carried over from the Mike White era. But the Gators then did not lose for the rest of non-conference play, finishing 10-3, and three, and one of those, a thrilling overtime win over a Michigan team that is not necessarily back to their Michigan form of past years, but did get the win. We opened SEC play against the number six team in the country, the Kentucky Wildcats, where Florida led for the vast majority of the game. I believe it was 37 or 38 minutes in total. They surrendered the lead in the final minute of the game, falling 87 to 85. Would have been a huge victory over a top 10 team at home to start conference play, but they unfortunately did not hang on. They lose. And the, the woes continued from there, getting blown out up in Oxford to Ole Miss, 103-85. An Ole Miss team that is certainly a lot more improved with Kevin Beard at the helm and a team poised to make the NCAA tournament this year. They go then. Arkansas, a team that is not the same as it has been in recent years, blow them out 90 to 68. They go on the road and lose to Tennessee 85-66, a top five team. Not really 
a surprise necessarily there. Tennessee is a very good team. So they did begin conference play one and three, but then that's where they ringed off four consecutive wins against Missouri, who is definitely the worst team in the SEC this year. Get a double-digit win there. They get nearly a double-digit win against Mississippi State. And then that's where we get into the three games that we're going to focus on today. The Georgia Bulldogs, they at one point had a 23-point lead against Mike White and his squad, and they squandered it in regular in the regulation going to overtime, but they did pull out a 102-98 to win. So, Neil, I can't even fathom, you know, I like Todd Golden a lot. I actually, I do believe that Todd Golden has shown a tremendous amount of progress. We talk about, when we, we think about back with Billy Nate, when we discuss his tenure thus far at University of Florida, we wanted to see progress in year two. I think it's safe to say we're seeing progress in year two under Todd Golden. I think he hit the transfer portal a lot better this past season. He's brought in some really good players like Zion Pullen and Walter Clayton, Tyree Samuel, but he certainly not hasn't quite gotten to where we want him to go, but he's showing improvement. Had sure. he lost this game to Mike White, I, I, I don't even want to know. I don't even want to think about what would have the, the daggers that would have been pointed toward him in that moment. Yeah, it, that, that would have been bad. Um, all right. A, a couple of things. I feel like we, we should back up a little bit. Um, number one thing I think we should address for those who are, who are college basketball fans, but are not like super in tune in depth, like crazies. I think we should first define the the quadrant system because, I mean, Chris talked about that a moment ago about quad one wins, quad two. What does that all mean? So right off the description from the NCAA's website, quadrant one is when you play a team on your home floor that is ranked one to 30 in the NCAA net rankings. That's why the net rankings are so important. You can Google that. It's on the NCAA website, just NCAA net rankings. They go, the, the quadrant system goes off of this. So quadrant one is when you play a team on your home floor between one and 30 in the net rankings on a neutral floor, that number shifts from one to 50. So you play a top 50 net team on a neutral floor, like we did against Virginia in Charlotte, that would be a quad one game. If you go on the road and you play a true away game against the team in the top 75, of the net ranking. So it's one to 75 in the net rankings on the road, one to 50 on a neutral floor, one to 30 on your home floor. That's a quad one game. Florida only has one such win against Kentucky. Quad two is when you play a team from 31 to 75 in the net rankings on your home floor between 51 and a hundred on a neutral floor, or when you're on the road against the team between 76 and 135 in the net rankings. And the NCAA, I'm reading right off their site here, the number of quadrant one wins and quadrant three or four losses will be incredibly important when it comes time for the NCAA tournament selection and seeding. So the number of quad one losses, again, this is just off their site. This is what they say. If we're going to take what they say seriously, the number of quad one losses doesn't really matter. It's the number of quad one wins you get and the number of quad three, four losses, which Florida does not have any as of right now. They will play a lot of quad three, four games, but uh, oh yeah, and I should probably define those two real quick. Quad three is on your home floor between 76 and 160, on a neutral floor between 101 to 200, and on the road between 135 and 240. Quad four, the really bad losses, like that's 
That's like uh, like when when mid major Mike lost to Texas Southern at home. Like that was a quad four loss. Between one sixty one and three fifty three, or however many D one teams there are, I think this year it's three sixty two, whatever. One sixty one or worse at home, two hundred one or worse on a neutral floor, and two forty one or worse on the road. So that's the quadrant system. Now, Georgia at home would have been a bad loss. That would have been a really, really bad loss because Georgia, I'm looking at the NCAA net rankings now. I don't think they're in the top 75 now. They definitely were not when Florida played them. So Chris, circling back to what you said, what the the daggers that would have been pointed at Mike White? Well, quadrant system right here says... Todd Golden, you mean Todd Golden. Sorry, Todd Golden. Yes, correct. Todd Golden. Georgia was outside the top 75 of the net rankings. That would have been a quad three slash quad four loss. It would have been quad three. Still really bad. That would have opened the door for, okay, that takes away from any big win Florida might get, which at that point they didn't have any. They hadn't beaten Kentucky yet. So now you have to go and beat a big time opponent just to make up for that, to get back to neutral, to counteract that. We would have been in the red in the NCAA's eyes with that. So we avoided that. We did finish off the game in overtime. We did end another Gator basketball game with mid-major Mike taking that L, something we all know all too well. And we avoided the bad loss. Then we'll talk about the next two games um, in a moment, but those were more quad one opportunities where the Gators could potentially impress the NSA selection committee. But the big thing about Georgia was we avoided the eyesore loss. We avoided the Oh, that that's really bad. You guys can't no that that can't happen. Kind of loss. We we avoided that. So that was good. Not that, much else kinda, about that game was, but that was good. That's kind of the story, I think, of our team this year is we've avoided the eyesore losses. And at least you could say all of the losses that we haven't endured are to what quad one you know team. So maybe that's the difference between this year and year one, or year one versus year two with Todd Golden, is that in year one we'd lost, we had those eyesore losses. And that, that's why we played in the NIT. That's why we only we had a losing record, only won 16 games. And now we're sitting at 15 and 7. And we're number, as of the game yesterday, we were the 10 seed in Joe Lenardi's bracketology. So we weren't even in, I think going into that, into the Kentucky game, we were the first team out of the tournament. And with that win, we got elevated all the way to a 10 line. So right now we're probably in that like, for last four in situation with the loss to Texas and yesterday, I'm sure Joe Lenardi will update it this coming week, but you know, next week there's an opportunity to get another quad one win at home. You play the Auburn Tigers who are ranked. That would be a huge win for this team. And I would say that Todd Golden's really got to get it. And if we get it, then we have an opportunity to maybe pick off a few more wins. Cause we play LSU at home. That would be that quad three, quad four area. And then we play at Georgia. So I mean, that's another team. Once again, we've talked about Mike White. We should we should win that game. Be a tougher game than it was at home, but we need to win that game. And if you win those three games, then you're looking at an 18 and seven record going in down the stretch where you play at Alabama, home versus Vanderbilt and Missouri, two teams you definitely should win. At South Carolina, who has been an incredibly improved squad this year, poised to make the NCAA tournament. Alabama at home. And then at Vanderbilt. So if I'm looking at this right now, Neil, I think we have one, two, three, four more quad one opportunities. And that's Auburn at home, at Alabama, at South Carolina, and home against Alabama again. Four we absolutely one. have to get one of those. We have to and get not at least go one. Four. 
I would say I think we could at least get two because I think you yeah. get the you got to focus on the ones that on your home floor. Right. Home against Auburn, home against Alabama. If you win two of those games, that's huge. I, I, I can get past a loss at Alabama and at South Carolina, given how they've played this year. But then you've also then got to definitely win those those quad three, quad four games against teams at home like Vanderbilt, Missouri, on the road at Vanderbilt. I, I think you definitely got to beat LSU. And I would say you really got to get that win against Mike White again on the road. Mike White has not beaten his former school since he's left for Georgia. He's now 0-3. You got to make it 0-4. And, and if you do that, then you're only looking at two more losses for the remainder of the year. And that's a really respectable record going into, in, into the SEC tournament. I would wager we'd probably be a top five seeded team going into that tournament. So you could potentially get that by through another round, get you closer to that quarterfinal line. That's where Florida really needs to try to be. And that it would be major, major improvement from year one to year two. And I think that's something that even Billy Donovan couldn't even, you know, brag about early on in his tenure. So certainly getting ahead of ourselves, but that's what we have ahead of us. We've talked about the Georgia game, though. Let's get into the Kentucky game. A lot of fans, uh, I think, want to hear about our thoughts on that one. The Gators go into Rupp Arena for the first time in 21 years. The last time Florida actually beat a top-10 team on the road was against Kentucky in January of 2003. Billy Donovan was not even 10 years into his tenure yet at Florida. He had not won a national championship yet. Joakim Noah, Al Horford, all those guys weren't even on campus yet. I mean, this, it had been a long time since Florida pulled this off. They did it in emphatic fashion in 94-91. Gritty win made possible by a late three-pointer in regulation by Walter Clayton Jr., one of the transfers we highlighted at the top of the show, who Mike uh, Todd Golden brought in to the program. So, Neil, give us your thoughts on this game and what it meant to get that victory for Todd Golden, arguably his best win yet as a Gator head coach. Yeah. I mean, it, it was either that or Tennessee last year and we didn't do anything with the Tennessee win last year. We, we wasted it. So um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the kind of win again, that it's quad one and it shows that you can win games away from your home floor, which they don't explicitly say in the NCAA site, but just looking through the brackets and you know, who got left out and who got put in and who got rewarded with higher seeds, the NCAA committee does typically care about that more because none of the games in the NCAA tournament are going to be on your home floor. They may be closer to you than to an opponent. Like if Florida were to say play Virginia in Orlando, like they did a few years ago. Yeah. That's a home game for Florida, but it's also not. So they value that a lot and Florida went and they got that win. That's their only quad one win. And it shows that the Gators can win games away from home. And that is, I think what they look for when they decide, you know, who should be in and who's, who's most deserving and who's the best teams. Cause again, none of the games on your home floor, they want the best teams in the field who can provide the best product for the fans. And that's obviously a criteria that Florida matches with that win. Now, um, some things about that game, Florida, the defense let down um, at, at various points throughout the game. I thought that the perimeter defense could have been a little bit better throughout points. But again, the Gators got the stops when they had to. Kentucky missing some free throws definitely helped. Um, kind of left Florida in the game, for me to be honest. They, they could have put the game away if it they did. didn't do it. I mean, the missed free throw led to the Walter Clayton May down yeah. the strip at the end. Well, so. Yeah, I mean, that one. And then there there were some others down the stretch that, that they also missed that could have not even let it get to that point where Reed Shepard had to make that free throw. But, I mean, again, Florida – 
they were, to their credit, they were given a second chance and took advantage of it. They were given an opportunity, a lifeline back into the game, and Walter Clayton hit the shot that just might get the Gators into the NCAA tournament. And then, to Florida's credit, in overtime, Kentucky, with a couple of early punches, Gators withstand them pretty, pretty well, I think, and then they, they take command in the last three minutes. So you do have to respect that. You do have to like that. And this is, I think, one of the better – um, one of the, one of the better defensive five minutes or at least the last three minutes that I've seen all season from Florida against a good opponent on the road. It's loud. The, the fans all hate you. You're tired. It's, it's extra time. You lock down and you play good defense. Of course, I think Kentucky might've also, um, hurt themselves with some, some, some careless, um, lack of care for the basketball, but Florida again, took advantage of it and they got the win. So you have to respect them for that. And you have to think that that's a good sign heading into the last month of the season and beyond. And the guy that I really want to highlight in this game, who I think was the MVP of the game, was Tyree Samuel. 22 points, 13 rebounds, was an offensive rebounding machine for the Gators, grabbing those boards. And he has been in some of the big wins this season. That note, that double-double that he posted a top 10 against a top 10 team on the road was the first time it was done so by a big since Tim Duncan. Wake Forest, 1997 at Duke, did that in a victory for Wake Forest. And then, so like that, there was some history actually behind that Herculean effort by Tyree Samuel and another Gator that, that Todd Golden brought in. And you look at the top three scores in this game Tyree Samuel, 22 points, Walter Clayton, 23, Zion Poland, 21. All guys Todd Golden brought into the program through the transfer portal, two thirds of the production in this game coming from those three guys. And that's really been the, the, the three guys that have carried this team to this point now where they are at 15 and seven is those guys have to have good nights, night in, night out, whenever we have a, a game like this. And in this quad one games like Kentucky, they showed up in a big, big way. And they showed up in the other games too against Kentucky. They just, you know, this one was where they finally were able to put themselves over the top. And you're right, Neil. Free throw shooting was a big part of this. Florida early in the season really struggled at the line. This game shot nearly 82%. Kentucky just under 65%. Difference in the game right there was the free throw shooting. So now let's turn our attention to the most recent game, the result yesterday, a game that certainly disappointing to say the least. The Gators fall on the road to Texas A&M 67-66 in the final minute of the game. Florida had a 13-point lead at one point, surrendered it. And, you know, this is kind of a thing where it was the opposite. The Gators, 12 turnovers, 54.5% from the free throw line. They just went cold. They went cold at moments offensively. The, the, the game style changed from the first half to the second half where AM was attacking the basket more. Florida was able to play more of that transition basketball that they liked in the first half, and it just was not there for them in the second. A disappointing loss because this would have been the second quad one win in a row. Texas AM is one of the last four teams in right now, according to Joe Lenardi's bracketology so a kind of a bubble game if you will between the two games of the two teams this would have been a huge win in that respect it could have really solidified florida in the ncaa tournament right now and bracketology going forward into the month of february but they didn't get the win they fell and once again a blown lead this time leads to a loss for the gators and and i know people are going to talk about the officiating i'm sure neil might have his thoughts personally i don't care i the officiating did not lose florida this game what lost Florida this game was 12 turnovers, 54% from the line. And by the way, the reason the free throw shooting discrepancy occurred in the second half 
was because Texas A&M attacked the rim. Florida did not attack the rim. They played perimeter basketball. They were passing the ball beyond the three-point line. You are not going to get foul calls. I I used to officiate high school basketball, and people all the time would be like, why am I not getting foul calls? Because you're not attacking the rim, and your opponent is. When you attack the rim, you have a higher probability of drawing contact, which Texas A&M did, and that's why they went to the line 22 times versus 22 in the second half. Difference in the game. If Florida does one of those things, especially that the free throw shooting better in the second in the second half, Florida wins this game. That, that plain and simple. Like that they, they did not they did not do what they needed to do in matching the style of Texas AM in the second half to, to win this game. And that's why they lost. Well, that so I, I was waiting for you to, to touch on that. You said 54.5% uh from the free throw line. I was waiting for you to, to mention the number of times Florida actually got to the line. Florida six for 11 from the free throw line, Texas A&M 15 of 24. They didn't shoot that great from the free throw line either, but then you, but then you, you take away the pure percentage and then you talk about the overall number of times they get to the line. Well, if let's say hypothetically, you both shoot a dreadful 40% from the free throw line, but they shoot twice as many free throws as you do. Well, then they've been more successful at the line than you haven't they? Cause they put the ball in the basket and gotten more points from the free throw line than you have, regardless of how bad they shot percentage-wise. And I think you touched on it. Florida, I mean, you you put it <clears throat> you put it as not attacking the rim. I would just say lack of aggression, period. Yep, because right. some some of the shot selection for Florida was just bad. Just just awful. I wouldn't say bad. It was just horrible. I mean, it, it, especially late in the game, too. You have you have a, a small lead with two minutes to go. And you do the basketball equivalent of just taking a knee on fourth down or third down and running out the 30 seconds on the shot clock and then handing the ball back to AM. Like, here you go. We, we didn't care about scoring. We just wanted to, to drain 30 seconds off the clock. You can't do that with two minutes to go unless you have like a 15 or 20 point lead, which we didn't. And even then, I would say, well, actually, I don't know. Maybe then it's blowout time. But unless you have a monster lead, you don't do that. You keep running your offense. You get some movement going. Someone's got to cut. Someone's got to set a screen. Yeah, do something. And, and we have the size to play at the rim. You know, you got Tyree Samuel. I mentioned how he was the MVP in the Kentucky game. Six points, six rebounds. That That's and he, 24 minutes of play. Not the same effort that he, you you're telling me that we couldn't feed him the ball more in the paint and maybe he would have drawn a few more foul shots to go to the line. I think he could have. You look at a guy like Walter Clay didn't shoot the ball well. He's two for six from three, two from eight from the rest of the field. Only got to the line three times. He's our best three point or three free throw shooter. The guy can cut to the rim, maybe get some draw some contact if he's trying to go for a layup. Only eight points. Like the star Zion Poland was the only guy for Florida out of the three that I mentioned before, that played a good game. 18 points, 8 assists, you know, shot the ball over 50% from the field, 40% from beyond the line, from beyond the three-point arc. That is, I mean, that's the kind of effort you need from all three of those guys in order to to, to, to be able to win these quad one games. And if only if one of those three would have stepped up, Samuel or Clayton, Florida probably wins this game. So when you lose a game by one point, you're limiting, you know, your margin for error is smaller. And and Florida just did not do, in my opinion, the things they needed to do. The aggression was not there, like you mentioned, Neil. So going forward, what would you like to see from this team in order to make it to March and maybe be able to make a run? Because I think, you know, obviously you want to make it to March, but it'd be nice to make a run maybe in the SEC tournament. We haven't played well in the SEC tournament in recent years. It'd be great to see us make a run there. 
and then also win a game in March. You know, we we haven't been to the NCAA tournament in the post-COVID era. No, I'm sorry, we, we have one time, one time. I'm sorry. Oral yeah, Roberts. I, I, that was, Oral Roberts. I'm yeah. forgetting about that one. Yeah, uh, which we should have won. We, that we game should forget it. about that. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, that yeah. wasn't fun. Um, I mean, what do we want to see? All right. So Florida almost doubled Georgia up on the boards. There, There is no way. There is no way. Florida wins that game against Georgia if they don't have the massive rebounding advantage because there's so many second chance opportunities. There's so many putbacks. And on the other side, you end so many Georgia possessions before they can get a second chance to put the ball in the basket by just cleaning up. You have Hanlaw, didn't you have Tyree Samuel, you have Condon even pulling down some boards and you have Florida guards pulling down some boards, maybe not within like a two feet radius of the basket, but I mean, you have them generally chasing down loose balls and saving them. Like that's all part of rebounding too. You have that effort from from both big guys and small. Florida out rebounded Georgia forty eight to twenty seven in that game. Think about how that game goes if that stat is reversed, or or even if it's just neutral, even if it's just a, a dead even in the rebounding stat. Florida loses that game without a question. So against Texas A and M, the rebounding was even. They were exactly tied with thirty six rebounds in the game, and A and M won. Now. Yes, I think there's something to be said for Florida just losing its its tempo and not being aggressive down the stretch, which, I mean, I would even categorize as just simply not running any offense. But again, the rebounding was fairly close throughout the game, and Texas A&M was able to hang around, hang around, and then at the end, make enough shots to, to come back and win. So Florida has to keep up the rebounding dominance that they had against Georgia, and they, they've had for most of the season. I mean, Florida has a lot more size right now than they had um, a year ago, even with the departure of Colin Castleton. Florida's just a lot better in the front court now um, than they were a year ago. So, so keep that up. Get back to to owning the board. I mean, even even Kentucky. Like, think about how Calipari runs his program. Like, he gets his pick of the litter in terms of every position. Florida out rebounded Kentucky on their home floor. Keep doing that. Keep pulling down those boards and keep ending their possessions before they can get second opportunities and giving yourself second opportunities and get some free putbacks and dunks. And I think Florida has a good shot to play with pretty much anyone. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, they showed that they could hang with the best with Baylor and Virginia at the beginning of the season. They, they certainly shown that against Kentucky now twice, both of those games coming down to the wire in close fashion. They've I mean, a lot of their quad one wins outside of two were not blowouts. They were close games. I think Florida has to has to show that aggression in order to win. Aggression on the boards, aggression and attacking the rim. And if they do that, I think we're going to see better results. And when you start attacking the rim, too, that's going to start opening up some much more clear shots from beyond the arc. I, I feel like sometimes we just force shots up. We 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 and then we also will hold the ball, we'll just pass it around, we'll let the shot clock roll all the way down to almost one. And then we're just forced to jack up that kind of a shot. And most of the time it, it doesn't go in. It's not a high percentage shot. I'd like to see us take get more high percentage looks in the game so we can avoid these sorts of droughts and situations where we blow double digit leads continuously. Because if we continue to do that, then I think we're going to see similar results where we're either having to play for overtime at the end, which we shouldn't have to do, or we blow the game altogether like we did yesterday. And and if Florida can, have, you know, I think just become a little bit more aggressive and get some higher percentage shots, we're going to be, I think we'll have a chance to win games in March, go deep into March and, you know, maybe get through the first weekend of, of NCAA play. That's the goal. I mean, every, I mean, we don't, we don't hang sweet 16 banners, but I mean, I think, 
I think any Gator fan, if they're being realistic right now, would say a Sweet 16 would be a very successful season. There is there's no realistic, rational Gator fan that's tethered to reality that would say, no, that's not good enough. Because you think about where they were last year, losing season, something that for all the criticism that we have thrown at mid-major Mike, and I will defend until my dying day that it was warranted, for all the criticism, he didn't have a losing season at Florida. The Gators were were worse in Todd Golden's first year than they were under mid-major Mike in any of his seven seasons. Now, I will also say that I think there's something to be said for for maybe maybe taking a year zero, as we've called it, for football, and maybe being okay with things getting worse before they get better and taking a step back and making things worse than they'd ever been if, on the other side, we can then see the Gators be what we know that they can be. And it's not just Billy Donovan, by the way. I know everyone's going to say, well, it's just a one-coach school. is only because of Billy. We were nothing before Billy got here. I mean, Norm Sloan won the SEC at Florida. Lon Kruger coached Florida to a Final Four. It, it can be done here. And I think that even in this age of NIL and the transfer portal and the ever-changing world of college athletics, there is still a place for the Gators Maybe not at the at the blue blood level, like maybe not with Villanova and and Kansas and Kentucky and Duke and UCLA and all them, but maybe in that in that tier below them, the Gators do belong in that conversation. And I'm willing to slow cook this thing. And I think that a sweet 16 appearance, even around a 32 appearance in this season, would serve as a stepping stone for the Gators moving forward. We just, as we know, it's all about about matchups and and who has the good day on the day that matters in the tournament. But First step, obviously getting there. And I think as, as we've talked about, the Gators do have a, a viable plan, a viable path to get there. Playing Alabama twice isn't going to be fun. Uh, at South Carolina won't be easy, but a lot of winnable games there. You talk about Vandy twice, Missouri, who might be even worse. LSU is no prize. Georgia on the road won't be easy, but you could win that. So there's definitely the wins there for the Gators to go and get and get themselves into the tournament. And I think Chris, I mean, zooming in even, even closer starts with Auburn and in a winnable game in the O-Dome, you beat them the last time they came there under Mike White with his, probably his worst of his seven seasons. Obviously the names have changed on the backs of the jerseys, but that's a game that the Gators should not go into thinking is a loss. They can win that. And, you know, Chris, maybe just, maybe we can, uh, we, we can have some fun with Gator basketball again because they're, they're, they're close. They're, they're getting closer. I agree. I agree. And I think, you know, winning five of the last six before AM showed to me that they, they are moving in the right direction and not everything is going to be linear. Yesterday showed that. But if we can continue to go up in that upward trajectory with a win versus Auburn at home, like he said, winnable matchup in the O-Dome, the crowd will be behind us. It's sold out crowd already. Then you stay home and you play an LSU team that you should beat. They'll have confidence going on the road against another matchup with Mike White and Georgia. There is a path for Florida to finish the season in a really strong fashion. They just got to focus on the things we talked about, being aggressive, attacking the rim, getting higher percentage looks, and re continuing to be really good on the boards like they have all season. If they do that, then I think we're going to be talking and having a podcast about this team on Selection Sunday as an NCAA tournament team. I think it's likely. Uh, Chris, I think last – Last thing we should probably do before we, we call it a show is um, just give a, a quick key the rest of the season because we love giving keys, we love giving predictions and stuff on this show. It's what we do. So um, you can't say Walter Clayton because he's, I think, the most obvious choice. So the Gators will get to the NCAA tournament if who has a big rest of the season. Tyree Samuel. 
that that's probably the the most the next most logical one. I um, yeah, no, I mean because I mean, what he can provide defensively protecting the rim as well as what he does on the offensive defensive side of rebounding, giving us those second chance looks. He has a monster year, lots of double double nights. Gators get done, they get to the NCAA tournament, and they could potentially make a run. So I mean, it's it's hard to, to disagree with that. Just to put another name out there, I will say Hanlockton. I think ideally you need two. You need two big guys. Uh, maybe not the same type of player, but they're both big guys, and they can both assist you in the same department of rebounding and giving you second chances on offense and and ending the other team's possession on defense. So, I mean, Samuel Hanlockton. I guess you could also. I mean, there are a couple other guys I think you could say, um, like maybe Condon, you can say, has a has a, a viable um, claim for that that role there. Uh, maybe even Riley Kugel. I mean, he he can do good things for Florida. Obviously, he did not have a great game against AM. and uh, Most probably most concerning was like the 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 Tevin Westbrook stone hands issue where he just he can't hold on to the ball. I mean, he two of the turnovers right off the bat were because he dropped the ball. Like that, that has to stop. But obviously he can do a lot of good things too. He can be very productive for the Gators and help them out if he does what he's supposed to do. And if he gets hot, I mean, that's a piece that I think is going to be very difficult to stop with everyone else already looking at Samuel and, and Clayton um, and Hanlockton. So uh, Chris, I think that's, that's it for now, but we, we have something special coming up soon, don't we? And then all kinds of other forecasts. You want to want to tell our listeners about that? Yeah, we do. We we've got we just uh, recently had conducted an interview with an All American baseball player on the team. I think he's a he's a strong two way player. I think after saying that, most people will know who it is. But stay tuned for that one. That's going to be a real home run of an episode. It was a great interview, and we look forward to bringing it to you. So, but in order to get all that, you got to subscribe, like our show down below, leave a comment today on what you think the Gator basketball team has to do to make it to March and make a run in the NCAA tournament. So be sure to like us down below, hit subscribe, follow along with all big updates here. If you know all kinds of weather forecasts, it's good to be back with you all. Took a little bit of a break, hoping to be joining Neil again on some other of these episodes as we get into the spring football coming up and basketball, hopefully as they make a run into March and then baseball as it ramps up, we'll certainly do a preview uh, of that. So thank you all again for tuning in to another episode of the in all kinds of weather forecast. Thank you. Have a good day. We'll bring you more great content soon.